The opinions expressed in this program reflect only those of the participants and are not necessarily those of the sponsors, management, or staff of WTBQ Radio or FST Broadcasting Corporation. WTBQ. And good morning. This is uh, Stephen Keeter, as usual, and you listening to Free Speech Show. And along with the, in studio uh, with me is Jay Westervelt, as always. So, uh, Jay, good morning. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? Doing good. Thank you very much. Uh, I think, as usual, we would like, or I would uh, rather uh, like to ask you, uh, maybe to go in depth on uh, the echo integration features of uh, Pulpit Rock Inn. And as usual this week, uh, the new uh, ad came out in the Warwick Valley Dispatch. If for those who didn't pick up a copy, please do. And uh, I believe this uh, this week's feature is? Yeah, it's about the trout uh, and trout fishing in the way we onda. It's kind of funny because a lot of people see the way we onda and they see it as sort of, you know, it goes through pastures, et cetera. They don't think of it as classically a trout stream like we'd see up around Roscoe with It Roscoe. is a CR a classification stream. It is a trout stream. It is. DC. Which is amazing because, you know, uh, some people, you know, there's, well, anyway, some people did some dredging of it to make it easier to kayak and paddle a few years ago uh, between the village and Wickham Lake. And that unfortunately did horrible uh, ecological disruption but you know it was sort of allowed like oh well it, it will help with the uh recreational aspect but unfortunately that definitely had to have done a lot of damage to those trout fisheries thankfully the part of the way that's near you isn't affected that way at all so right there at the project site there's beautiful beautiful uh rock features going right into the stream there are wonderful deep eddies and riffles and things like that that uh host beautiful trout populations going in there i've seen um both brown and brook trout now oh, wonderful yeah it's, it's pretty cool right you know they've classically so they are currently present they are there they in a stream they mm -hmm. are yeah both species are uh in good numbers you know they used to stock them upstream nearer the village uh for a few fishing things and of course there are always some that get away and breed and uh they were also stocked and there's a classic trout stream the longhouse creek which goes from what we used to call Earnhout's Egg Farm, but uh, State School Road in Bellevale, it flows along Lower Wisner Road, and then right where, kind of by Ronald Reagan Boulevard, before that, it, it hits the Weweanda. That is an historic trout stream that's got beautiful brook trout fisheries and some browns. Uh, I've seen big browns in there myself a few times and angled some. But anyway, they all feed into that stream. So what we endeavor to do, of course, as we've discussed at length, is in some of these really nice, as we call them, deep holes in the stream that are right by the site, right by our canoe and kayak launch for our uh, almost trademarked pedal in, paddle out uh, recreation, we're going to stock really nice native brook trout there. And the brook trout's an interesting trout, and I've said this on the show a few times, it's actually, along with the lake trout, which there are not a lot of in our area, in our direct region, the only lake trout would be over at um, Greenwood Lake. And I'm not even sure if there are many angled out of there so much anymore, but brook trout are really essentially our only native trout. Brown trout are a European species and uh, rainbow trout are a Western species that are both introduced here as game fish. 
historically, this has been done a lot all over the country where we bring in species from other uh, regions and we introduce them. The familiar ringneck pheasant that we see all over the place. And when I was a kid, they were egregiously common. Those are actually a Eurasian bird. They're not even native to North America. But these brook trout that we're putting in, uh, they are a native trout. We're going to really fortify those existing fisheries and it's going to make a great great uh implementation of sport fishing for your guests and for warwick residents alike wow that, that that's very exciting uh, i think so because i don't see much of the sports fishing uh, happening around i don't uh, i almost have to admit i never seen anybody uh on the local uh Wawayanda creek uh yeah, and it's, you know, I hope, Stephen, that there aren't two or three guys who are right now listening going, oh my God, that Jay, he just gave away the great, you know, trout fishing <laughs> spot. But we're going to fortify it with a lot of new fish. And hopefully, uh, if the permit process goes well, and it's essentially a pro forma process, nobody sits down and says, oh, well, you know, we don't know about that creek. Um, what I'd like to do is get the more robust strain of native brook trout from one of the hatcheries in nearby Pennsylvania. Sometimes the interstate uh, transport for stocking uh, takes a little more paperwork. New York has many great uh, hatcheries, uh, really actually kind of nearby in the Catskills. So we'll see with which one we do the best. The reason I mentioned a hatchery in Pennsylvania is because they have more robust warm water fish there. Brook trout are a notoriously high oxygen requiring fish. They So they're obligate deep oxygenated water users. And uh, the fish from this one hatchery in Pennsylvania uh, actually can withstand regular farm ponds. So they will do better anywhere and give us a stronger, more robust bloodline in there. But without getting the cart ahead of the horse, um, the exciting thing is that we plan to stock the trout and then we're going to allow Warwick residents and guests in the hotel to park right there on the site and go in and do fly fishing. More exciting to me is the idea of offering fly fishing lessons to your guests and to Warwick residents. Which, wow. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. In one of the Warwick history books, I think it was a history of Warwick, New York, uh, by Professor Hull, he mentioned how the Red Swan Inn, uh, which is a real parallel to your your hotel. Very close proximity. And uh, <clears throat> when I'm sort of like, uh, every time I read about description of uh, Red Swan Inn, it sort of evokes almost like a feeling. This is exactly what we're trying to do. It's located in, uh, in a country, uh, proximity to the village. Yeah. It's, it's, everything is similarities are absolutely stunning. Absolutely. It's it's eerie how similar the model is because in both cases, they're in the town, but right on the edge of the village. You so, know, so there was a historical uh, sort of reference that uh, Red Swan Inn did indeed attract a uh, large number of uh, sportsmen. Yeah, I think I, I don't have the article in front of me or the, the chapter in Professor Hall's book, but he, he referred to um, affluent sportsmen from New York City coming up and staying at the Red Swan Inn. And, right. uh, you know, the implication is certainly coming up, uh, spending the weekend hunting and fishing and spending their money in our uh, restaurants, in our taverns. And I think we all know that our restaurants and taverns could certainly use that boost uh, to see more people coming in to use the, uh, you know, Baird's Tavern after a day trout fishing, you know, to help, uh, help, you know, fund those, those NGOs. 
but especially in downtown Warwick, uh, our struggling restaurants and taverns there who work so hard. And they're all about to hit a really hard bump right now because outdoor seating is almost not doable during this time of the year. So as, as an author of those, of those eco integration features, um, I believe, and I love the text and the way you put it in uh, this ad, um, how did you exactly verbiage, how did you put it? The oh, count, yeah, count yeah. Forth? Oh yeah, Warwick, uh, come for the trout fishing, stay for the taverns and uh, restaurants. Absolutely, and that, that is uh, great when people coming in can support local uh, economy and pops and moms shops and uh, commerce and uh, locals that uh, can enjoy the fishing that's currently, even though it's there, not to the same scale as we propose. Yeah, and you know, Warwick uh, is you kind of unique it's sort of a bridge and tunnel town uh we're in orange county which is the farthest away from the city that a civil servant can live at least on this side of the river so we have a lot of uh nypd and fdny people they live here they've moved here after getting their jobs and they don't really even it's nothing is made easy for them to know where to go fishing and to go trout fishing and learn how to fly fish and then teach your kids how to fly fish I mean, that's a wonderful opportunity that just hasn't been afforded so many of our new residents. And fly fishing is hot. It's been really becoming more and more hot for the last uh, 15, 20 years. And now it's just exceptionally hot. People love it. And it's, uh, you know, I, I hate to put any kind of socialite spin on anything because that kind of turns my stomach. But frankly, uh, just like in Professor Hall's book, what he referred to at the turn of the century into the 20th century, right now we're seeing a lot of uh, well-heeled New Yorkers who really, you know, who have the disposable income who really want to go out fly fishing and learn how to that do it. That certainly requires a special equipment and certain know-how. And uh, just like everything else, uh, you just came uh, f from giving somebody a ski lesson and uh, that's something that I uh, see. I don't know nothing about uh, fly fishing. I did uh, sport fishing, uh, deep water fishing. Cool. But uh, fly fishing certainly would require certain, um, you know, uh, skills and certain technique. And not being familiar, I would certainly would go for, for a lesson or two. Yeah, it's funny. You know, just uh, up in Sullivan County. Uh, is it Sullivan? Anyway, Roscoe, New York. Uh, yep. They, um, capital of uh, capital fly of fishing. Fly fishing, <laughs> sure. World capital of it. And it really is to a good degree. They have uh, fly fishing schools that are always booked. And they charge a pretty they penny. They have a museum as yes, well. Yes, they have. Yep. And there's no reason we shouldn't have a miniature of that in Warwick, uh, right on the way we onda, uh, into which the historic, the Longhouse Creek flows. The name escaped me for a minute because there are so many wonderful trout fisheries here. Well, we're going to come back after the break and uh, we will continue with this. Sounds I great. I thought I would like to continue. I think we both do. Sam's Meat Warehouse is a butcher with old-time family values. Remember back in the day when people knew their butcher by name and visiting them was a social experience? They would talk to customers about how to cook a piece of meat to perfection. Sam's combines old world methods with modern techniques. Call your favorite butcher, Sam's, at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. This is Jay Westerveld inviting you to tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for Tales and Trails, where I'll share many journeys and stories from my global travels 
and from your neighborhood right here on Radio Worth Listening To. This is Barbara Martinez inviting you to tune in every Friday at 12 noon for Business Connects. Join me each week to hear about exciting new vendors at Emporium Square in Middletown, a 21st century way to shop, right here on Radio Worth Listening To. We are back talking about echo integration features and uh, proposed pulpit rock in. And as always here in studio with me is Jay Westervelt. So, uh, Jay, we, uh, we're talking about fly fishing and... Uh, it's not an, I guess, not an easy sport. No, not at all. It's, you know, it, it it's, it's unlike just about any other form of fishing. It takes a lot of skill. It's not something where you can just pick up a fly rod and just start whipping that line around. Um, it, you actually have to work on timing of your casting. Most of the time when you're waving that long fly rod back and forth, what you're doing is drying the line and drying even the fly. The thing that we refer to as a fly is... Uh, it's a hook with feathers uh, you know, wrapped, wrapped onto it with thread. And most fly, uh, fly fishermen also do enjoy tying their own flies. My big brother, my dad were really into it. In my family, you, you didn't have a choice. You had to ski. You had to fly an airplane and you had to fly fish. There was no, no turning back. So you no actually, choice. you do know how. To fly fish. fly fish. Yes. You know, unlike a lot of my friends in my family, um, I'm not the penultimate fly fishing guy. My big brother was. He was an amazing fly fisherman. You know, when we used to spend time with our cousins in California, which was all the time, he loved nothing more than going up into the high Sierra, into these obscure, tiny little rivulets, these tiny brooks coming out of the high Sierra to fish for rare golden trout. That was like, to him, that was the apogee of great fishing. I trout fish certainly in Mongolia for Taiman, which Taiman, is the world's largest. Which is huge. You know which, it. Which yeah. is eno- enormous. <laughs> now, that, that is borderline sport fishing. It so, is. You know, because it, it is like a sport, like it's almost like deep sea where you one-on-one with the fish. Yes, it is. It, it really is. You know, Taiman fishing is funny because technically it's a trout. It's a, a, a salmonid. And they're the largest member by far of that family. They're, but they're enormous. It's like walking into a river and then fighting a marlin. No, no, because, no they're huge. I know that. Oh. Uh, I know stories that it's, it's, uh, in Siberian rivers, you actually can see some. They actually go after ducks and uh, sometimes hunting dogs. Yes, they. You know it. Yeah, you. <laughs> and that's not urban legend. They really do. You know, it's it's really interesting. Some of the lures, like even in the markets over there, not to get off on a tangent. But the lures are made to look like um, marmots, which are woodchucks, you know, mm-hmm. skinny woodchucks on the step. So they're these, these enormous thing. They look like chewy toys for dogs. And these are timing <laughs> lures. But anyway, so for me, I was always more, when I went trout fishing with my family, and this was blasphemy, I was the guy who always kind of wanted to put a worm on, on the hook and just kind of sneak <laughs> downstream. Easy way. <laughs> yeah, nobody saw me. Hey, Jay, you got so many trout. <clears throat> yeah, I, I did. <clears throat> you know, But, you know, a good trout fisherman reads the hatch. That means he walks out to the stream. He sees which insects are emerging. It's called a hatch. They're going from their larval state where they're a nymph underwater with gills without wings to coming out flying. And then the trout rise and, you know, uh, go after them. They jump out of the water when they're sitting on the water. And so often they'll tie the fly right in the stream side to match the hatch. To to resemble, to resemble that particular insect. And it's fascinating. Fascinating. It's fun. I love it. And uh, my big brother made sure I knew how to tie flies and how to cast and all. 
But to offer that for the Pulpit Rock Inn to offer this both to guests and to Warwick residents, I just think is beautiful. It harkens back to historic Warwick. You know, a lot of people don't know, and he's just not celebrated enough, uh, the great outdoor writer, uh, Frank Forrester. And his real name was, I believe, Henry Herbert. Um, We'd have to look that up, but I'm 99% sure that was his real name. Forrester Ave is named for uh, Frank Forrester. He wrote books worldwide about hunting and fishing, and he was crazy about Warwick just for the trout fishing. The trout fishing alone, he was, and he wrote, you know, very famous books. Um, in fact, um, Warwick Woodlands, you know, a very thick tome that he wrote. Uh, the brook trout fisheries here played really heavily into that. So one of the things, as you discuss with the Pulpit Rock Inn, which to me is beyond exciting, that you're going to have beside the main building, I always say the lodge, but the main inn building, you'll have eight cottages that are really Victorian homes that uh, are Victorian style homes, I should say, that act as, uh, you know, uh, lodging as well for your guests, each one with a different theme and name. And if the possibility of calling one the Frank Forrester. And we discussed that, and I yeah. do remember the, your suggestion, uh, Frank Forrester being one of those uh, names and uh, themed cottages to be named after him. And I think it's, it's wonderful. It's somebody cool. who uh, really... Uh, contributed to putting Warwick on a map. Uh, he extensively wrote, from what I understand, about uh, sport fishing in Warwick, and uh, that that would be wonderful. The, you know, like I getting excited just thinking how many possibilities in terms of uh, you know decor and uh, exactly. being a, sort of like the platform for exploration, further exploration of Warwick and uh, stories and history that uh, that cottage would offer. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about the idea of Gothamites. Uh, you know, some people living on the Upper West Side just saying, hey, you know what, look at this, honey, you know, seeing an ad online. Here's a, a beautiful boutique hotel where they actually offer fly fishing lessons and they provide the equipment, they provide the instructors and they go out on this stream and they bring us out there and show us how. I just think it, it will be an experience unlike any other that you'll actually be able to offer that. In. And what many people don't uh, even realize, the property is such a unique uh, in a way that for the back of it yes. is much, much more uh, like we have enough ro road frontage, but actually the back and the, 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 the length of the creek, so to speak, it's actually probably twice the size, if not more. Yes, definitely. And it's it's interesting because the actual uh, structure for the hotel and its associated parking and all, which will not be terribly expansive, as we've talked about a lot, it's approximately, give or take, one third of the total lot of just under 10 acres, barely under 10 acres. And where the creek is, you know, that's totally unaffected. That's quite far from the building for a number Absolutely. of reasons. That, that actually, the, the back wing, if you will, actually extend to the, uh, straight to the village border. Yeah. It borders uh, the village. And uh, that is extends much further than the frontage. Yes. Because I think it goes behind the neighboring three properties uh, and the houses and obviously the frontage uh, of the road, those uh, three right. properties occupy. It's it's really interesting that's you know Stephen, in, in my numerous uh i hate to say studies but surveys back there i was really i took a lot of photos i was shocked at just how beautiful the creek is there um 
you know, the amount of just stones sort of piling right into it and the fact that it's on a beautiful elbow of the creek uh, with those sycamores that you see all up and down the uh, way we onto, it's just such a classic trout spot. It's almost like you're in Montana suddenly. It's, it's amazing uh, that we have this uh, untapped resource that is not currently fully appreciated. I think with, like, with everything else, it needs it requires a certain uh, push in marketing. Uh, I have seen uh, you know fishermen locally, and uh, I actually have seen them very close to the uh, our property and uh, to the creek itself. But they mostly sort of congregate around that uh, neighboring uh, pond that's yes. right next to Orange right. and Rockland <laughs> property. Yeah, nobody, you know, uh, locally, the interest in, um, you know, let's be honest. I mean, trout fishing and especially fly fishing, they're, they're, they're a little bit of a, you know, kind of snobbier uh, a, approach to fishing. I love ice fishing. I love uh, absolutely love pike and pickerel that fishing. I'm That's familiar my favorite. With. Yep. Yeah, and certainly ocean sport fishing. And I, you know, went to school on the ocean, and uh, you know, when most of the guys uh, in my dorm were marine bio guys, so we they're always bringing in great, you know, uh, everything cod, scrod, bluefish uh, every every evening for food, and we were spoiled just because of our uh, housemates. But I, you know, trout fishing just it's so big in. New York City and uh, certainly Westchester and a bit more now in Orange County. And I'd just like to see it further developed and tapped to sort of get some of those people up here to discover what the Weyanda has to offer. You know, it's interesting because again, like I said, and I don't mean to sound like I'm disparaging any group. And usually when someone says that, you go, oh boy, here we go. But I, I really don't mean that it to sound that way. People have been pushing kayaking and canoeing on the way we on. I've done it all my life on that uh, creek. And before people even started putting their kayaks in and giving it a, a nice try, they said, well, let's dredge it and let's channelize it. And you just, you have to respect a creek. And your project respects the creek and certainly the rock, you know, and it's nice to see a project that will bring people in that works with the topography instead of trying to change it. Oh, well, you know, it's too difficult to paddle. Let's just dig this out and remove all the plants and move the rocks around. You don't do that. Yeah, those, I would think those plants do provide um, sort of like refuge for, yeah. for, the, for those fish and uh, breeding grounds and uh, essentially a necessary part of that eco uh, Yeah, that ecotone for sure. You know, uh, my my show on Mondays, uh, one of my first guests ever was my very dear friend, Mike Mallon, who's an amazing environmental educator. And the, the title of the show should have been, You Can't Change Just One Thing. He was talking about ecology. Whenever people try to change something to improve it, you can't change just one thing because it affects so many other things, you know, the butterfly effect. Mm -hmm. And this is what happens with things like this when people try to change a, a creek, especially a trout stream like that. So you have to see uh, the whole picture and uh, implement maybe in, on the numerous directions um, certain things like like the number of <clears throat> mitigating measures that we uh, think of eco integration. That that's not just one thing. That that's many, and I think they work better as a as a group. I would think. Of course, like so many things in life, synergy. You know, where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Wonderful. We have another break coming in, and we will continue right after.
Sam's Meat Warehouse has been supplying restaurants and shops with the highest quality local and sustainably sourced prime and choice wholesale meat, steaks, poultry, seafood, and much more for over 20 years. Whether you're a small family butcher shop or a busy steakhouse, expect A1 service and the finest products available. Call Sam's at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off Route 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. Hi, this is David Dirks, the host of the Dirks Outdoor Show. Call in as we discuss everything for the outdoor sportsman every Saturday at 7 a.m. Radio worth listening to. If you missed the Frank Truett Show, here's what you missed. I wonder if our Orange County Executive Steve Newhouse knows about that interview we did this morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? I always say, ask yourself, are you better off now than you were, you know, in 2013? Absolutely. That's the question everybody should be their litmus test. Or... The other thing I used to say is, uh, would you hire this person to work for you? Oh, that's a good one. I yeah, like Steve, that. you want to do sales for us? we got a job <laughs> open right there, actually. Yeah, I mean. The Frank Truatt Show, weekday mornings till 9 on WTBQ. WTBQ Weather. A quiet weekend with dry weather and mainly clear skies through at least Monday. This afternoon, sun and patchy clouds, breezy and cold, 30 to 35. Tonight, mainly clear, upper teens to near 20. Sunday, mostly sunny, still a bit of a breeze, mid and upper 30s. Monday, continued dry with sunshine, upper 30s. From the WTBQ Weather Center, I'm WeatherWorks meteorologist John Leo. WTBQ. And we're back with Free Speech Show. This is Stephen Keeter and Jay West are in the studio. And we were talking about the sort of like uh, technical side of uh, fly fishing, and it's obviously uh, very challenging, and uh, it is a sport in itself, uh, requiring special uh, equipment and special rods, as well as uh, special skills. So, uh, Jay, I'm, I'm thinking that with the hotel offering that type of service, uh, offering lessons and rentals for yes. the, uh, you know, for, for the roads, that should popularize the, the activity uh, further and, uh, you know, would probably uh, open the whole new segment of people who otherwise would be deprived of that opportunity. Exactly. You know, there there are two essential elements here. Element number one, excuse me, I, I have a little bit of a cold and I just came in off the slope on top of it. Um, element number one is allowing our fellow Warwickians to take up something new that they may not have had a really easy chance to do before. Just like having Mount Peter right here in Warwick allows so many Warwick families to learn to ski. Mountain Creek next door, same thing. Um, So we have that beautiful uh, leap forward from your project. The other part is bringing in clientele who now put our town, Warwick, on the map and say, hey, you know what? what's a great place to go trout fishing? Warwick, New York, they have this way we on the creek and you stay right there at the Pulpit Rock Inn. My gosh, you can, you know, if you don't know if it's for you or not, you can go there, you can rent the chest waders, the fly rod, the creel to put them in, and somebody will actually give you lessons there. And even if you're not gonna, uh, let's say, reel in a, a, a mammoth trophy, at least uh, you will take a lesson, you will know uh, what it's like, and you can actually try yourself further in, in Roscoe. Uh, there you and go. Explore and maybe graduate to a more um, remote locations. But it, it it is that necessary step. It is that first uh, sort of 
step that everybody uh, will have a chance, which otherwise we don't. Yeah. Nowadays. You know, it's a funny thing, Stephen, uh, for a long time in the 1990s, I, we've talked about this on your show, I, when I lived in the, the Czech Republic, first Czechoslovakia, then it was the Czech Republic after the uh, Velvet Divorce. Um, I lived up in the mountains in a, an area of technically Silesia. It's on the border of Poland, Germany, and the Czech Republic. And that's where I did uh, most of my skiing. I actually had an Alpine training center there and all. But it was a trout fishing town too, this little place called Harakov. Uh, it was uh, the Regenberga, uh, the Karkinosha or Krakenosha, according to which language you're speaking, Polish or Czech, the giant mountains. What I was amazed by was all the guys who I was training to be ski instructors and snowboard instructors, they were avid trout fishermen. <clears throat> These guys were internationally known trout fishermen just because of this little tiny town in Northern Bohemia on the Polish border. And... I just thought, my God, the opportunity that these guys have out here in the middle of nowhere. You know, so many of them have traveled and all uh, after the, you know, wall came down, uh, so to speak. And um, why shouldn't Warwick, you know, with what I, I always it, made me think it, of my it, home. It all, I, I believe it all boils down to having the necessary amenities. And that uh, I've never been to places you're describing, uh, but, um, you know, just uh, hearing what the, what it's like, it's uh, at the same time, and it's a ski destination, and it has also a trout destination. Huge so trout destination. So both are very seasonal, and uh, but you would have that those hotels, and you have uh, services geared towards those uh, tourists. And, uh, you know, because if you only ski in the winter, Uh, and a hotel sits uh, dormant in the summer. It, it's really bad business. Yeah, there's not a lot of <laughs> golf country up in those rigid, yeah, those rugged mountains. So, so, so it came ridges. out of uh, necessity, so to speak. And yeah. I believe the more um, multifaceted, uh, you know, services that we can offer uh, to people and it's seasonal, because we live in, 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 in uh, it's not like Florida where you have no seasons. Uh, you know, you, you do have... Uh, seasons and uh, one of the draws is uh, winter with with its skiing. Oh yeah. Uh, autumn with the snow picking. Um, I'm sorry, with the leaf uh, picking and uh, apple picking. And uh, we have uh, obviously summer and spring, and th that would be great uh, if we can offer any kind of activity that uh, like uh, kayaking for the summer. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, fishing in the spring. Uh, I, I don't know when, uh, you know, insects are coming out. What, what is the most popular year uh, time of the year to fish? Typically May. April and May are both okay, good. So April 1st is usually opening day. And right. uh, But, you know, a lot of people don't know here in New York State, these people all run to these uh, streams and ponds like um, Walton Lake right in Monroe. Even though it's a regular lake, they, the DEC, uh, the Department of Environmental Conservation, stocks trout right there. And all these guys go running out there uh I believe it's April 1st. Or so. Yeah, April 1st. And they, they're so crazy. They're in a big mob, you know, like people on, <laughs> on Jones Beach. The funny thing is, legally in New York, even though that's when trout fishing opens, in most water bodies, you can legally ice fish for trout anyway. And then when the ice is gone, you can still take them, you know, with a regular rod and reel. Uh, you'd have to look that up, but it's a, it's a funny little law. Here's another interesting thing, that ski town, Harakov, where I spent so much of my life and I just love it. And it's a very obscure place out in Northern Bohemia, high up in the mountains. And um, the special at so many restaurants was trout done so many different ways. And when you are in an area where there's trout fishing and you have a restaurant, 
wow, what a great special. It engenders a whole new thinking toward different specials for all the local restaurants. Even at some point we might see, just like we have Apple Fest here in Warwick, which is so much fun, uh, we may see a Warwick Trout Fest, you know, where the restaurant and, and things just say, you know what, we're, everybody's gonna try a different recipe. I can certainly see like the Iron Forge Inn and the Johansons uh, doing the great work they already do with trout and with salmon there, uh, dominating that. No, there's a big movement, uh, Farm to Table, uh, which oh. many local establishments do participate in. Uh, but uh, like I said, with the resource like uh, trout or fish, that uh, in the past was uh, essentially very popular is almost non-existent nowadays. Isn't that strange and isn't that a tragedy? And you know, you and I personally uh, off the air have talked about uh, the fact that Warwick used to have these grand restaurants, you know, uh, these one-off beautiful restaurants, like one of our trivia questions, the Surfwood, which then became (laughs) the Blue Spruce Inn. We still have the landmark, thank God you know, and the Iron Forge. But then there used to be the Valley View up by where the uh, Belleville Creamery is just across the parking lot. That was a wonderful grand establishment. Those aren't going to come back, but those that we still have that are holding on, and certainly the Jolly Onion Inn came back, you know, those folks did a great job bringing that back. Now maybe here's a new item that they can have uh, on the menu to really bring those people in. You know, I just, I see so many home runs in this. It's very exciting to me. And just to see... Uh, like we talked about it on a show last week. I was talking about how my dear childhood friend who was a hockey player, so he really never had a chance to ski. Well, his son wanted to take up skiing. So they approached me and I said, yeah, yeah, let's go. We'll go to Mount Peter and spend a day. And we did and they did and they went back all the time. And then soon his son was working there teaching skiing while he was still in high school, went away to college. And he found that, you know, when some of the kids uh, at in his class at school at university were going away skiing, Now it was something he could do with them and forge new friendships and new relationships that became business relationships. And now Brendan is a a banking analyst in Boston. So it just takes, uh, it's an opportunity. It's yet another one, another opportunity that is not uh, explored or taken advantage of. And I mean, people think about the business lunch, the business martini, or, you know, going on a golf outing to cut a business deal. It's done with trout fishing way more than people realize. On skiing slopes, on oh. golf courses, on uh, trout fishing trips. Yeah. Never surfing though, which is kind of a tragedy <laughs> to me. You know, I, I love to surf and it's just a shame. You know, you don't have business surfing luncheons or uh, <laughs> offsites, you know, well, but offsites uh, at the Pulpit Rock Inn are going to be absolutely amazing. Well, I'm looking forward. I'm sure you have something uh, special prepared probably for the next week. And uh, as everybody who's listening, please uh, pick up once again a copy of the local uh, oldest newspaper, Warwick Valley Dispatch, and read something new like we're trying to uh, put it out there. It's in writing. It's a part of the plan that we absolutely set on implementing and we still take uh, suggestions everybody is uh, welcome to maybe uh, just like uh, people that involved on the project maybe you can uncover another resource that that uh, warwick used to be famous for and now sort of kind of non-existent or forgotten yes and that's you know it's beautiful because this seems to be what the project has been about and you know you, you you were very quiet about it at first. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people, instead of asking questions, they just decided, well, we, we must rebel against this. My God, we can't have a an historic, classical, very Warwickian 
in, you know, a boutique hotel going, going in here, uh, right on the edge of the village, like Warwick used to have at its, at its best. And I, now, um, all of those murmurs seem to have just totally dissipated and, uh, they seem to have gone away with the, uh, water right down the way we on a Creek and people just are much more positive, infinitely more positive than before. And I just, I can't believe, you know, when I, I walk down main street or I talk to my friends or, you know, even when I'm skiing, it's happened twice already. People just want to talk about the project with me and they're excited. It's a great opportunity that was present that benefited community greatly. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, it's kind of went away. And uh, well, we have uh, not to say anything against it. We have uh, Warwick Motel, but it's hardly uh, even fills in the need for... for uh, no, it's got its purpose. and it's Absolutely. But uh, what we're proposing is totally, totally different. And it's boutique, not in a fancy kind of way, but in a unique way of uh, those accommodations that we are uh, offering to, to the guests and what weekends and residents alike. Yeah, remember when it was just starting and uh, some of your detractors were saying, oh, it's a, it's a motel, and yeah, you yeah, had they, to they, educate they, them. They persistently, uh, <laughs> you know... Uh, try to uh, put a different kind of labels on it but that's why I always said if you want to hear something uh, about the project please uh, go straight to the source to people who are working on it and we will tell you more and uh, just like we will after another break sounds good Meat Warehouse is a butcher with old-time family values. Remember back in the day when people knew their butcher by name and visiting them was a social experience? They would talk to customers about how to cook a piece of meat to perfection. Sam's combines old-world methods with modern techniques. Call your favorite butcher, Sam's, at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. Join Senator Mike Martucci on the Friday Morning Roundtable for a discussion on the political arena in your area. That's Senator Mike Martucci every Friday morning at 9. It's radio worth listening to. I'm gonna make this place your this is Christine Koenig, Grace Warren, Marsha Talbot of Howard Hanna Rand Realty and the hosts of The Real Real Estate Show, Mondays at 10 a.m. It's radio worth listening to. And we're back with free speech. This is Jay Westerveld. I usually host uh, my my other show on Mondays, Tales and Trails, but I am Stephen Keeter's sort of permanent uh, guest host here on free speech, and it's a lot of fun. And you know, we usually talk about the project, the thing that brought us together, that made us meet. After I wrote a letter to the editor uh, supporting it and stating that there is absolutely zero ecological disadvantage to this hotel project coming in. In fact, what we've proven uh, exhaustively is that we're going to make it ecologically uh, improved and it will be a huge positive for the environment uh, locally and downstream of uh, the hotel. And we're gonna do nice things. And um, as I always joke around with Steve and I say, hey dude, I'm a frog and turtle guy. You know, the economic stuff and all, I'm not the guy to talk to, but it's kind of half a joke because we can all see that it will really, really help so many businesses, but without sounding, you know, like a commercial or something, 
the cool thing, Stephen, that you have said uh, numerous times is that the hotel endeavors to bring back things that are lost here. That we, we, we in, do, in fact, try to build on, on a former success of uh, Warwick. Uh, you know, and we, there was uh, obviously a period in Warwick history, there was a golden age of uh, hotels, which were many on the turn of the yeah. century. I think it's over half a dozen at least. And uh, grandest of them, uh, of course, was uh, Red Swan Inn. And uh, th- that was the period uh, in Warwick's history where population of Warwick uh, was uh, one-tenth of what it is today. It's Amazing. hardly 3,000 people. And uh, yet now tenfold uh, <sighs> and so many years later, we do not have those type of accommodations. We do not have the type of sport fishing that Warwick was known for. Yeah. We certainly don't have that type of maybe hunting uh, that is gone. There's yeah. no... Uh, the carriage, Pioneer Carriage, that we once again, we're trying to revive and bring back those services, connecting the interesting spots and landmarks of our communities, not just uh, village or town of Warwick, but greater uh, Warwick area. Yeah, and the, you know, the Pioneer Carriage has so many amazing applications, uh, and it's just wonderful for people to first be able to take a train at least to Harriman or something, have your Pioneer Carriage pick them up at the station, tuxedo, Harriman, wherever, probably tuxedo is easier. Anyway, um, and bring them to the hotel, and then they have a plethora of activities that they can do during their stay. You know, sometimes perhaps the carriage, you know, certainly in winter, will bring them to Mount Peter to ski, which will be really nice, or Mountain Creek. Uh, another thing it, it can do is bring them to the wineries, as we talked about the last time, a winery tour where nobody has to drive. Hiking trails, oh. the local breweries, the, the, the events that, uh, you know, uh, anything from Renaissance Fair to uh, Bob Dylan's days to, you know, the events that uh, wineries are hosting. Yeah. It, it's, it's really, it's not just, uh, I think it's that fabric or, or sort of like, I'm a, I'm a builder uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I built homes and communities and, and the hotel is akin the cement uh, that, that's actually going to hold all of this together because it's going to fill those voids that currently are sort of like vacuum in bringing community and businesses together. Yeah. And, you know, one of the biggest voids, and we joked around about this last week on the show, was that the tagline for... Unfortunately, for some of the Warwick <laughs> events, uh, and I, you know, I don't mean it again to be disparaging. It's just kind of funny and kind of tragic at the same time. We have these wonderful festivals and all Apple Fest, which brings in however many people. It looks like a billion, um, and uh, the tagline should be Warwick. You don't have to go home. You just can't stay here. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of strange to bring these people in, set them loose on the street to enjoy all the vendors during those festivals to enjoy the taverns the wonderful uh, historic taverns of warwick the restaurants and then tell them oh well it's been nice but i gotta go to bed go home <laughs> you know get in your car get behind the wheel after all that applejack and go home you can't do that to now people. this is when uh, the statistics become very very meaningful and numbers do not lie so when uh, you know through a number of research that has been done related to the project we discovered that when people spend the night, they do spend, in fact, three times the money. Otherwise, uh, compared to a day traveler. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I, I this isn't my wheelhouse, but I know as a traveler, oh yes, that is a fact. And that is the money that uh, spent not necessarily 
on overnight accommodation. So in a hotel, that's the money that's spent in a community, uh, the, the money that's left in uh, local restaurants, in uh, local souvenir shops, yeah. and pups and moms, and, and anything and everything. Look, from uh, calendars to trinkets to services to barber shops to to manicure uh, shops, you know everything that uh, pizzerias that uh, Warwick has plenty, you know, and uh, all of that. Uh, in in other words, everybody benefits. You know, just a few hours away on the very eastern tip of Long Island is Montauk, and I've surfed that forever, and you know, grew up going there all the time, and lived out nearby in Southampton for quite a while, and. The cool thing about Montauk is, yeah, you spend your money when you stay over there. You can't not. But the cool thing is, besides like Plaza Surf Shop and all the souvenir shops, even the uh, non-franchise one-off mom and pop pharmacy called White's, White's Pharmacy right on Main Street, when you walk in there, it's not just a pharmacy. It, it They have more gifts and cool, like, you know, beach sand buckets and all that stuff and skim boards than any of the other stores do. I walk into Aikens, which is arguably the coolest, oldest uh, business in Warwick. And I've loved that place since I was a little kid when it was a soda fountain and everything. And, you know, you go in there and Bob and his gang do such a great job. But right now, the shelves are a little barren because of the economy. And it, it pains me to walk by and see that. And I think, well, imagine how well they'll do. And they're doing well anyway, don't get me wrong. I hate seeing these other big box uh, pharmacies and drugstores being thrown in on top of them. It's rude. But imagine how well they'll do with all of these new activities coming to the area because of the hotel, the sort of things that will go on their shelves, like White's has all the beach stuff. It'll be really nice, you know? Absolutely. New activities and new people and those tourist dollars, they will contribute not only to local commerce and uh, economy, but the uh, economy, in fact, in terms of tax dollars. Yeah, and the economy, you know, the village of Warwick, um, it's still beautiful buildings. There's some restaurants and, and wonderful stores working really hard, but they're having a real struggle. Everybody's struggling. It just looks like the village is struggling more than other areas. And I, I just don't like seeing that. It, it's hard not to take it personally, you know? No, I agree. Uh, we've been, uh, I've been a village resident for, for the past 20 years. And uh, frankly, I can attest that I would like to see uh, past the, uh, you know, uh, broken uh, sidewalks and infrastructure yeah. certainly needs uh, to. And I think another great motivator would be uh, having people coming over, just like you clean your house before having uh, expecting guests. Absolutely. You know, uh, it would give another maybe uh, not only stimulus uh, to, to act on, but also the necessary influx of money yeah, in the local economy. And it's, you know, I, I think I've mentioned before, my sister had a, a bed and breakfast for a long time right in Amity, which is a hamlet of Warwick. And she said that the hotels in Goshen and Middletown were always calling over her because of the overflow. They actually kept her on a, uh, an electronic Rolodex, all the uh, beds and breakfast, and the Pulpit Rock Inn would certainly do the same thing. That is, in fact, uh, you know, a well-known fact, once again, uh, you know, supported by facts and backed up by numbers, that uh, in those areas where the, uh, you know, the, there's anchoring establishment, sort of like a hotel, the... Pops and moms, B&Bs, everybody does better. Yeah. And, you know, all you need is for one of the bigger hotels, and again, the Pulpit Rock Inn, to have a wedding 
going on and guests staying there, wedding guests. Now all of a sudden you've got your regular guests or people who would normally be part of the demographic of every weekend to come up. They need accommodations. They're calling the pulpit rock in and, you know, presumably the concierge or the desk people will be telling them, uh, how about if you try this bed and breakfast? Hey, here's a good one. Go to this one. Those guys are going to be backed up as a result of it. So it's, you know, I, I can't imagine being opposed to the project from any angle. Absolutely. Really. And every time, uh, you know, firsthand, when you are coming into community town, a country you don't know, uh, the, the second best thing, other than having a good friend in there, is to have a concierge who knows uh, all ins and outs and can re- make recommendations uh, based on his knowledge of local history, economy, taste uh, and preferences. It's going to be rad, you know, just to have a really cool concierge, I think, will be really nice and do so much for so many of the NGOs in Warwick and so many of the uh, attractions. And not just Warwick, but outlying areas, too. It'll be nice. Absolutely. And uh, I think our guest the other day made an excellent point that, uh, you know, people coming into Warwick, and uh, I'm one of those, came in and fall in love with the community. But it takes that first step. It's almost like you can never win a lottery unless you buy a ticket. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it takes that step. You have to come in. You have to come for a visit to actually see for yourself what it's all about and uh, to experience this sense of community that uh, cannot be sustained by, you know, slogans and uh, singing and caroling and uh, such like. It has to be actually built up almost like a relationship. And it's funny, you know, speaking of slogans and taglines, it will be nice to change Warwick's slogan from you don't have to go home, you just can't stay here. But you cannot, because we don't have a place for you. Yeah, it'll be nice to change that to, you know, Warwick, come for the trout fishing or, you know, the skiing, the the wineries, the vineyards, etc. And uh, stay for the taverns and the restaurants and certainly for your bed at the public. And for memories, for memories and mementos that people actually take home. It's not Chachkits, it's not, uh, you know, even though it is, just to remind someone, but it's it's those, that experience that maybe that uh, first lesson in uh, skiing, and, and even though the Pulpit Rockets doesn't have any slopes, or but close by. Uh, oh God, Mount Peter, Mount Peter, right here, without without any lodging to yeah. really. Or, or, or maybe that fly fishing lesson that uh, somebody's going to be able to experience there. So I think once again we covered one more feature that the Pulpit Rock will have. If you would like to hear more, please tune in again every week, Saturday at eleven and Mondays at eleven a.m. for uh, Jay Westerville Show. Tales and Trails. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Stephen. And we'll talk again next week. Thank you very much.